Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. I have back as my guest today, I have Pastor Justin from the Elk Grove uh, Bible Church. And uh, we were talking last week about several things, including he had brought up the rich young ruler. And, you know, I think it's interesting that in our in today's society, we could easily have those people who could come and say, you know what? Uh, what must I do to be saved? And you said, well, you know the law. You know, do not steal, do not do not uh, commit adultery, do not murder. And, and we could go down the list of things, and they could feel pretty self-righteous. Hey, I've never done any of those things. I've, I'm not like these people out here on the street who are drinking, drugging, running, gunning, uh, ki- committing robberies, or whatever the case is. I, I am a pretty good father-knows-best kind of guy. And you could say that, and all those things might be true, but Jesus kicks the the legs out from underneath our stool of self-righteousness when he says things like, uh, hmm, I don't know, oh, you say you've never committed adultery. Oh, good. I say if you've ever looked at a woman mm-hmm. and lusted, you've mm-hmm. already committed adultery. If you, if you hate your brother, you've already done it. If you're angry with your brother, you've already committed murder. And so... He took it completely from the realm of just the external do's and don'ts, law and order, written on paper into a much more intimate and much harder place to be, and that's in the heart and the soul Mm -hmm. of man. And we Mm -hmm. know, I can't speak for you, I can tell what the Bible says, that none are righteous, no, not one, and that in, in our heart of hearts, we do despicable things. (laughs) And I know I have. In my heart of hearts, some of, if I were to come into your church and I said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to come and I'm going to speak, and I do speak in a lot of different churches. So I'm going to come and what I'm going to do is I just got a videotape of my whole life. (laughs) And all the bad things have been condensed, (laughs) and I'm going to put them up on the screen, and you're going to see not only the bad things I've done, but the wicked thoughts I've had. You're going to get to see every thought, every twisted moment of my life. Well, certainly, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't do that, and you wouldn't want me to speak if I did. But here's the kicker. If I could get that tape recording of your life, what would it look like? What would your thought life be like? What if I could see the inner man or woman, what would that look like? And that's where God takes out that that mighty scalpel of his and he starts digging out and rooting all that internal sin that nobody can tell from the outside. You know, you can you can have the three piece suit on, you can look white and washed and clean and all those things and you have just got it all going, right? And it doesn't matter. And, and we were just talking about the fact that 
Jesus confronted the Pharisees and he said, you know, you whitewashed sepulchers filled with dead men bones. You got, you're just so beautiful on the outside. And yes, that's paraphrased. Beautiful on the outside, but filled with dead men's mm. bones. Mm. And, and why was that? Because they had missed the greater part of the law. He said, you know, you, <laughs> you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. You go halfway around the world to make a convert, and when you do, you make him twice the son of hell that you are. Why is that? Because we are so concerned about the external. We forget that, the, that God looks to the internal, right? So anyway, I'd like to welcome Justin back and, and thank him for coming and, and say, hey. Pastor Tim, it's good to be back again, absolutely, and I just couldn't— Agree more with what you just shared. I think. I think what uh, uh, in the historical theology world they called it the spiritual application of the law. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because they were all really good legalists. Yeah. Every one of us is born self righteous. Yeah. We think we're pretty good people living pretty good sure. lives. Sure. And we can look at even something as basic as the ten words or the ten commandments. Oh yeah. And say, oh, I'm. I mean, I'm doing all right overall. You know. Yeah. And then Jesus applies them in the Beatitudes. Right. Oh, with, yeah. okay, how about now? And then even the rich young ruler, it's so interesting, because I think in uh, Matthew 10, is, or Mark 10, as you brought up, you know, he, he confronts him with, you know, the law of God, and he says, have you murdered, have you committed adultery? And the guy's, you know, he's thinking, no, I'm good, I'm, I'm actually a pretty good guy. Well, and Since from, my youth. From, and from human standards, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Sure. He was better than average. Yeah, we want him in our church. He's a sure, good guy. We, yeah. Front row guy. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus... And it's interesting that Jesus didn't just say to him the Tenth Commandment, don't covet. Mm -hmm. He applied the spiritual implication of the commandment. He knew the man loved his stuff, right? And so Mm -hmm. he said, hey, go sell everything. Mm -hmm. Not because you have to take a vow of poverty to be a Christian. No. But he knew this man, he Mm -hmm. loved his stuff, and he would not separate, he would not leave his stuff to follow Jesus. So he had actually broken the Tenth Commandment and was living in sin, because he was violating the 10th commandment. But he didn't see it. He didn't see it. But when Jesus put his finger on it, he saw it. Yeah. And that's where we see, oh, the gospel actually does call me to repent from what we talked about last week, right? That God's going to put his finger on a particular sin often and say, if you follow me, this has to go. Right. Because that's what it looks like to turn and follow Jesus. Right. You know, I I, I often think that turning and follow Jesus is kind of like a guy who... Uh, he, he's, he's weighing out his options. He's got two girls he really likes, but he's got to choose one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I used to tell when I was in high school ministry, I would tell my students, <laughs> you can't have both. Right. It just doesn't work. And when you try to have two girlfriends and they find out, they both dump you. Yes. I said, and, and rightfully so, because you're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I said, in that moment, you've got to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after this one. Right. Because that relationship's exclusive. Well, the gospel of Jesus is exclusive. It is. You can't have both. Nope. You can't hold on to the sin that you love so much and embrace and bring Jesus to be a part of it. He says, no, forsake right. that, right? And mm-hmm. that was repentance. Get rid of it, and you can follow me. You know, that's what is meant by I'm a jealous God. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that, that by human standards that he's this green-eyed monster lurking around. And I heard a talk show host who totally misunderstood. Yeah. And she said, well, yeah, that's why I'm not a believer anymore, because what's he jealous of me? He's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. You shall have no other gods before me. 
And his jealousy is the jealousy of a husband for a wife. You're not going to let another man come in between you and your relationship with your wife. And God is not going to allow another God to come in, even if that God is the God of wealth. And by the way, as Justin just pointed out, the reality is it wasn't the man's money. It was his love of that money that caused his problem. If his love had been for... Uh, well, let's take it to today. The guy doesn't have a lot of money, but maybe he has a really hot sports car he's had since he was a kid. Maybe that's what he would need to give up. Maybe he needed to give up sports or something else that separated him from God. It wasn't that a person with money can't have any money. It's that they can't have that foreign God between well, them and God. It's so interesting uh, Pastor Tim, how first the book of First John finishes. Mm-hmm. First John, if you've ever read through that, um, which if you haven't, by the way, you should. It's a great little book. You can read it in probably 15 minutes. But it, there's there's classic verses in there, right? Like, do not love the world or things in the world. Yep. And First John really is calling the Christian to obedience. Yes, he's saying, stop living for the flesh. If and and actually, First John is the book that if you want to know you're saved, <laughs> yeah. or if you want to know you're not saved, go to First John. Yeah, it's a good he's, one. Yeah. He's going to confront you over and over with, hey, if you're a Christian your life will look like this. If you're not a Christian, your life will look like this. It'll let you know if you're in a cult, too. It's a, it is. It's a spiritual <laughs> litmus test. But what's, you know, it's, um, if you've ever read the book, Where's Waldo? There's always something that doesn't belong in the picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, in First John, it's like the last verse is like your Where's Waldo, at least for me. I, I read that years ago, and it was little children, keep yourselves from idols, period, books over. Yeah. And I remember thinking, how in the world? Because John hasn't talked about <laughs> idols the whole book. Yeah. He hasn't mentioned idols. He hasn't dealt with idolatry. But then it began to hit me, and it's just I'm a slow learner, so it took a while. <laughs> you know, sin is a sin. The nature of sin is idolatry. Amen. All sin is going after another God. All sin is yes. saying, I know better than the God of heaven. I'm right. smarter. I, it was the same thing that Eve believed in the Garden of Eden. Right. Satan's way is better than God's way. So John says, if you're a Christian, you won't love the world. Right. If you're a Christian, you'll be a confessor and a forsaker. Mm-hmm. He finishes this book with little children, keep yourselves from idols, because as John Calvin said, our hearts are idol factories, aren't they? They're constantly they spitting out idols. And we've got to say... Am I willing to forsake those idols and follow Christ? I mean, that really, it's so interesting how the Christian life begins, right, is how it continues and ends. It yeah. begins with forsake all and follow Jesus. And what, is, what does it look like today for you and me? Forsake all and follow Jesus. Uh, almost exactly the same as it's always been. Absolutely. <laughs> and we can, we can make idols of all things. I was reminded of that the other day. I have, my house is in an area where there are woods around it. And my insurance company that I've had for 30 years uh, let, sent me a nice little letter saying, hey, because you live in the woods, we're not going to cover you with insurance anymore, which it was depressing <laughs> to hear that. You know, you, you work and you pay for a house for 30 years and now they're not going to insure you anymore. And it's, it's difficult to get insurance in wooded areas, I guess. But I had to stop and contemplate those very things you're just saying that the joy, the peace, the things we have are transcendent from this world. Mm-hmm. And yes, if something happens and my house were to be gone, I would mourn that. But even in that mourning of losing this thing is the reality that Christ 
said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And if I have to sit and say, okay, well, I want the wealth of this world or I want salvation. And if I have the salvation, I can't have the wealth of the world. Then I still want the salvation that God has already given me. Mm. And that is going to cause me to have joy because why? Where your heart is is where your treasure or where your treasure is is where your heart is. And if your treasure is here, and by the way, think about this. If you're a believer out there today, and and, and uh, if you were to go on vacation, let's say you go to Disneyland, and you stay at the Disneyland Hotel, right? And you go, oh, you know, I don't like the way it looks in here. Let me go down to the furniture store and get a different bed, and I'll get a different dresser, and I'll decorate the uh, a little bit different. At, let me call and get a carpet. People that go, what is wrong with you? That is not your home. That is... That is something you're passing through. Well, as hard as it is for us to understand sometimes, we do a lot of decorating in a room we're just passing through, right? <laughs> What's that old song? This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through, yep, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, Pastor, you, you actually know a song that's way older than you are. I do, I do. That comes from that familial uh, background, Absolutely, right? absolutely, yeah. And actually... Um, a little-known fact I keep under wraps is that my major in college was church music. Oh, really? So we had to do a, a whole bunch of work in church history and church music. So then there were songs that even became more familiar that really don't hear much of today, but there's some good ones. Oh, there are. You know, I have a Baptist hymnal, and some of the songs, you, you go and you go, I have never heard this song. And not being, my grandmother was a piano uh, teacher and she graduated from the Royal Conservatory of Music. So she could take a book and she could tell you what the tune is. I, I can't. So I need help whenever I have. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the words to the old hymns are amazing. And we don't see them today because we like to have just, you know, four words, two beats, and, and we're good to go, right? It's Christian music. Yeah, my thing is, I think, as I look through the ancient ancient music and modern music, I think God has had faithful people all along, right? Oh, yeah. There's good ones old, that are old, and then there's good there's there's old ones that we don't know anymore because they needed to go away. Because <laughs> they were terrible. Right, they were terrible. <laughs> and then there's, you know, I think now in the modern era, we do, it's harder to find, and that there is some brilliant Christian writing that just praise God for rich theology set to music, um, and it just ministers to the church. And, uh, and yet I think we need to uh, remember that God has people that have gone before us too, and we can stand on their shoulders and just rejoice with them and Amen. learn from them, whether it's the greats of Isaac Watts or the Wesley brothers or yep. whoever else. Yep. So, no, absolutely. So tell me something. When you come down, and you come down once a month at least uh, to deliver a message on a Friday morning, and, and you and I take turns with Ernie and, and a couple other pastors in town, uh, when you come and you see... They're not exactly street people because they're on the program. And you're you're dealing with a lot of the men that are on our program, our 24 right. guys, up to 24 guys. What do you see as far as the difference between um, maybe the people coming in for the first time seeking a church and the men that are coming onto the program, uh, maybe having no background either? Sure. Well, I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is is whether or not they're born again. Yeah. And you know what's amazing is is the evidence of being born again is pretty obvious, whether it's in the local church or at Union Gospel or anywhere else. 
you know, there are men there that you can tell they just are submitting to another nine month program, mm-hmm. another try to get clean and praise God for that. He may meet them at that try. Yep. And so you just keep being faithful, right? right? But then there are there are brothers who they have repented of their sin. They are radically transformed. Their fight is still real, right? They're still fighting. Oh yeah. And they're still gonna it's gonna be a long road to recovery. But you can see God's at work in them. They are eager and hungry and submissive. They're done running. Um, they don't just want to have their drug or, a, or drinking problem fixed. They're genuinely transformed people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. And so I think for me that, honestly, it's very similar to the local church. Yeah. There are people who I come agree. in and you say, you know, I think, I think you know Jesus and you're hungry and, and praise God. And then there's people that come in and you say, you know what, let's start with conversion. Let's start with what it means to be born again. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, that I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said his greatest fear was that people would go to hell through the doors of his church. That is the fear of every true Bible-believing pastor that there ever was, that they look out, and, and you, Justin, pastor, uh, you know as well as I do that you look out and you realize that you got the four types of people. You have the saved that know they're saved, Praise God. You have the saved that are unsure that they're mm, saved. Yep. You have the unsaved uh, that know they're not saved. And then the scariest of all people, those who think they're saved and they're not. Right. And those are the ones you worry about the absolute yeah. most. And don't you think, Pastor Tim, that just in an American culture where our Christian faith is is acceptable culturally— that that last category is maybe larger than we want to admit. I believe it is. You know, because I, I have friends doing mission work in parts of the world where you're, it's hostile to be a Christian. Oh, yeah. you, you lose social status. You may lose your home and your job. Um, you may lose your family identity to claim Christ. I don't think you have a lot of people in that environment who claim Christ and aren't legitimate. No, but I think in our world, in our society, right here in this world, it's sure. it's pretty easy to say, "Oh, I was born in the church, and yeah. I've got a, uh, you know, I want God to be a part of my life." And that person, like you said, it's the scariest because you almost have to convince that person that they don't know the book, right? They don't know the Word of God, that their faith is is something not found in the book, and that this is what it means to be a sinner. Because I think they yeah. have to know they're lost before they can know they're, know they're found. Yeah, you don't need a Savior right. if you're not. Right. So back to your question, I think being at UGM and the local church, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of similarities because I think all people are equally sinful. Oh, yeah. And you just you have to say, you know what? All people need the same thing. We need the hope of the gospel ministered mm-hmm. through the Word of God. And so you take people where they're at, and then you trust that God is going to take them to where he can, he can only take them. Yep. Pastor Justin, you've baptized a lot of people in your life, have you not? Yeah. Okay. See, here's the difference, and you made me think about it when you were talking. In those days when a person was publicly, excuse me, baptized, it could cost them their job, their status. It could cost them their lives and the culture that they lived in. To be baptized was a, a huge step of acknowledgement that I've been transformed and you'd have to be transformed to want to endure something like that. We've made it sometimes just simply another ceremony. Yeah. And and that's not what baptism is. And and of course, I'm not trying to equate 
uh, baptism to salvation because although it was commanded for us to do, believe and be baptized, the thief on the cross was never baptized. But my question to everybody, and I've had this, I'm sure you have, well, I'm, I'm saved, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I don't really see a need to be baptized. And you go, okay, so you've committed to serve God in the very first commandment he gave you. You said, no, I don't want to do that. So we we take, and what I'm getting around to is it seems like in our culture these days, we are taking more for granted and lighter and lighter the things that God has told us to do. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, even in your statement you just made, you talked about how... um, the I've accepted Jesus. Yes. Paul used words like obedience of faith for the sake of his name. Yes. He called upon people to obey the gospel. Yes. And that goes back to that issue that we talked about last week more was repentance of I am done living my life. I am not just adding Jesus to my life. Yeah. Like I am forsaking all and following him. Yes. If I'm forsaking all and following him, yeah. well, following him in baptism is simply the declaration to everybody else. Yep. I'm following him. That's all yep. baptism was. In yep. the first century, it was the public proclamation of what Christ had done in you. And it cost. And it cost. And I think today, we don't want even the smallest of cost. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a big crowd, or I don't, I'm going to have to look, have wet hair in front of everybody. Whatever we say, right? But it's, no, it's the public proclamation. Jesus has changed you. Yep. But it's really an obedience to the gospel. That's right. And we, because we are so, we have so watered down the message, we've, we've embraced the moniker, um, accept Jesus mm-hmm. into your heart, and then you can just stay the way you are. Yeah. And that's which, really wasn't the gospel. It, and it isn't the gospel. No. Now. And by the way, <clears throat> although uh, we were talking about that, I, I've never liked that phrase, accepted Jesus. It makes it sound like I have done him a favor. Right. <laughs> well, I, trust me, anybody who knew me knew I didn't do Jesus any favor. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, we're all First Corinthians 1 kind of people, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah. wise, not noble, no. not smart, but his grace and his glory. And uh, I think that goes, that goes back to even being, are we, sometimes I think we're, we're Bible illiterate. Oh, yeah as opposed to Bible literate. Oh, yeah. And you see in the Bible words like obey the gospel. Mm-hmm. We see words like repent and receive. Yep. Um, we've changed the terms to be much more acceptable on our, on our side. Sure. As Let's opposed- negotiate this a little yes. bit. What does that really mean? Yeah, you know, the... Cl- to th- uh, we're down to one minute. All right. You know, uh, you were going to say uh, the quintessential what? Oh, I was just going to say that we have made it much more palatable on our yes. side. As opposed to accepting God on his terms, we've created something that we want God to accept on our terms. Which is non-Selvetic. It isn't. It will, it will not save. No, and we're out of time again, and I want to have Justin, Pastor Justin back very shortly. Uh, I enjoy talking to him, but I want you to, guys to understand out there, every word in this Bible we follow, and I believe it with my whole heart. And so to water down, to take it lightly, is not what we teach at the Union Gospel Mission. We, we take no government money for that very reason, mm. because we mm. will not limit the gospel. Amen. Brother, thank you for coming, and 
Thank you for having me. As always, my dearest friends out there, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Nowhere to live, nowhere to fall. He used to have money, but he's wasted it all. His face is a photograph burned in my mind, but I pretend not to see him for the 21st time. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to ugmsac.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268. 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street. I pretend not to see him for the 21st time.